Hi, this is Brett Blevins. You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. That was good. Now, see, that's a, still a different sounding woohoo than last week. It's there was no snapback at the end of this one. Why? I I I, I reined it in a little bit. I think. Oh, you pull back. You have to do that. Well, I wasn't sure. It's 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 a, it's yet another new location. So. Right, right. It's like Pavarotti going into the a hall. He has to sing a few bars before he gets the room. Right, you know. I mean, yeah. it's Pavarotti's dead together again for the first time. But yeah, you get the, the point. Right. And have a nice chill episode this week. We, I think we, so. We can talk about anything we want to talk about for as long as we want to talk about it, and we're not going to get err, yeah, err. We're not going to get yelled at <laughs> or shit on. <laughs> it's nice and oh. fun, old school bullpen, bullpen bulletins episode. And Ooh. if you if you look at my list, it's almost all Marvel. Like, what is going on? Who even are you? I don't know. I knew this morning. That's what you're going to say to me in a little bit. I know. We'll see. (laughs) (sighs) Nice and nice and laid back. And hey, everybody. It's 11 o'clock comics, episode 574. And I am Vince B. You are Vince B. And I am a... Not... Kind of rested, not really. David A. Price. Wow. Question mark. That was weird. I'm David A. Price. You are Vic Sage. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. Well, you're... rather that Mr. A, I guess. Yeah. Well, you, you don't want to be Mr. A. I don't think anybody no, wants to be Mr. A. You, no. You're David A. Price, and and you know what? David A. Price gets his books there. I get my books there. Jason gets my books there. Why should you be any different? All you got to do is go to Discount Comic Book Service because we're smart. We know how to save, and you will too. DCBService.com has everything you want in the previous catalog for a fraction of the price. The list of specials are up. I have selected three, and they are from Image. It's Joe Casey and Benjamin Mara. It's a hardcover. Seventeen ninety nine. It's called Jesus Freak. I can't wait. The year is twenty six CE. A young Nazarene carpenter is having some trouble adjusting to the violent world around him and finding his place within it. So say we all, right? Uh, he knows he's different, but he doesn't know why. Not yet, anyway. Um, could be historical. Could be somewhat uh, factual. Somewhat not. We don't know yet. All we know is it's going to look great because it's Benjamin Mara at the helm. And I said it was seventeen ninety nine, but you guys can take it home for eight dollars and ninety nine cents. That's fifty percent off. From yeah, good golly, right? From Dynamite, boom, Turok number one. Yep, they're giving it another shot. I don't blame them, because Turok's a great character. Ron Mars is writing it. Mainstay. Long-time comic scribe Ron Mars. Art is by Roberto Castro, who did a bunch of work on Dynamite's Red Sonia. Castro's pretty awesome. He's great with the ladies. Um, He's phenomenal with uh, icky creature character design, i.e., 
dinosaur hybrids like big dragon type things and 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 just massive creatures you know this is going to look good 3.99 cover price your price $1.99 and yeah last but certainly not least from dark horse there are problems cases too strange for us law enforcement to solve Peter Weird, that's P-I-T-O-R, Weird, W-Y-R-D, guy's got strange spelling all over the place, is the one who solves them, for a fee, of course. He's an unaging, invincible detective with a penchant for the strange. Weird is the one government, the one the government calls when things go very badly and very strange. So it's called Weird, W-Y-R-D, number one. Written by Kurt Pyers, but art is by Antonio Fuso. Three ninety nine cover price, but you can put that on your stack for a dollar ninety nine. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order editions, and you get your books all shipped right on up and safe and sound right to your doorstep. There's nothing easier. Absolutely nothing easier. Going to the bathroom is harder than ordering from Discount Comic Book Service. Depends on what you ate. Yeah, but I still, it's still harder. You got to make an effort to go to the bathroom. You got to get up and you got to watch, do your thing. You got to wash your hands and dry it off and turn the knob. This you go beep boop pop boop boop beep boop on your phone and you got comics coming next month or whenever. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, you got to super easy. Yeah, get up to go get them. Not if you have kids. Dad, your box came. Hey, bring it on over. My son. <laughs> Get me a knife to open it. You keep (laughs) goddamn it. It's true. Uh, This feels good. You likey? I do. I do. I had a very, very long, tiring day. And uh, yeah, it was. It's the season. It was bad. Yes. But I am kicking back with a couple of uh, brews. Of which, yeah, I had them last episode too. So I'm carrying them over from Trogues. It's the Perpetual IPA. And Perpetual must mean the taste because it goes on forever. It's so good. Forever, ever? Yes, it's so delicious. What are you drinking? Um, I, I feel like I overdid it last night. Ooh, sorry. I feel like I overdid it last night. Um, we did some mixing of, uh, of a few different alcohols, um, Actually, no, not we. I did. My wife was smart and stayed the course and stuck with her Pinot Noir. Um, we went out to dinner in, in our new neighborhood, and um, I had an old-fashioned with my appetizer. And then I had Cabernet with my entree. And then along with dessert, I had an Irish coffee, which was mostly Jameson. Irish whiskey. Um, I was feeling great last night. I felt, I felt great. I felt okay this morning. No worries. But it is meeting Monday tomorrow. I have, I'll probably have some things to do because it is a short work week. So I'm going to just let everybody know I'm letting you all down now and having some fantastic Schweppes black cherry sparkling seltzer water wait 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 so i'm the only one well the only one there's two of you us. are the one drinking tonight wow you're you're carrying the torch for us all tonight good well it was a yes. good week and uh dap and i put our heads together and we said okay 
the watchdog is going to be gone, so we could do whatever we want. Let's <laughs> let's have some fun. In case you didn't re- realize, Jason's not here this episode because he's on uh, assignment. Yes. Yeah. Somewhere. Family assignment. Family assignment. Um, so we said, let's do something different. Um, how about we just focus exclusively on first issues, recently published first issues. And so we're going to call this thing, is this okay to, to go with this? We're going to call it the first issue special. like it. Remember, DC first issue special? Come on. That was great stuff. So we are uh, genuflecting to the past, taking it to the future. We're appropriating it for this episode. It's just, uh, it's, it's ironic because none of the stuff I read is from DC. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but uh, it's, wait, it's shame. But I did, shame, there yeah. was one thing I had on my list, but I didn't get to it. And it was Electric Warriors number one. Which, yes. Same. Yeah, I want to read that. Damn it. So why don't we read that for Wednesday? We'll and this, that for Wednesday. That'll be like the, the addendum to this episode where we can get into Electric Warriors. Because it, it looks like those slew of books that DC put out in the 80s, um, yep. like Sonic Disruptors, or it looks like a very strange fringe corner of the DC. 2000 AD kind of version of a DC book. Right, right. Uh, it's it's definitely eye catching. Like I didn't read word one of the thing, but the cover is is definitely definitely grabbed my attention. So I want to read it, and I'm glad you do too. So we'll do that. And do you have a thank you before we jump into the festivities? Um, no. Okay, uh, I don't either. I was trying to think because I did. I went to the post office yesterday to um to pick up the items that haven't been delivered yet because uh, apparently my mailbox isn't registered. The post office doesn't know my mailbox exists. So um, it's, it's on ho- all my mail was on hold and uh, which means I finally have in my possession. It's downstairs still shrink wrapped uh, the beastie boys book. Wow. And finally, yeah, I like, at least I got to read it after everybody else did. And uh, there was... Um, I'm not even 25 pages in yet. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it looks daunting, but it looks like it's it's worth it. So sure. um, yeah. I'm all about it. And the... Uh, there was something else. Was there something else? No, no. There was all nothing right. else. I just got my previews all packed to take to work with me so I can start dog ear and tearing out pages for the previous video for later this week yeah i'm doing mine tomorrow nice right sans the marvel previews but that's okay i could just say <laughs> this is what i'm getting um so let's do this first issue special you want to go first no by all means you go oh, first. oh boy okay you know how eagerly i have been awaiting this issue and when I tell you what it is, you'll be like, yes, you have. I love this group of characters. I also love the artist in charge of making these wonderful characters, realizing these wonderful characters. Um, you know them. We know them as, uh, collectively anyway, as the, uh, the Cull Obsidian or the Five Dreadlords, the Midnight Slaughter. It's the Black Order. 
Thanos' Elite Strike Team, um, written by Derek Landy, with uh, pencils by the amazing Philip Tan, inks by Mark Deering, Guillermo Ortega, and Lebo Underwood, with uh, great color art by J. David Ramos. So uh, I have been really sweating this one out because... You know me. I I absolutely adore Philip Tan's work. Um, you do. I I so do. And this this book, I think it would be a struggle for this book to look more Bronze Age. It to my eyes, this looks like something out of the Filipino school of the Bronze Age. I see that in Philip's work all the time. I don't know why. It may be his penchant for um, his line work, his dense line work. It may be his, the way he um, over-exaggerates figures. Uh, I just I cannot get enough of Philip Tan's work. And I thought this issue was an amazing start. You didn't read it? Not yet. Okay. Well, here's now. Now. It, Having not can can I just can I jump right in? Is there any required? Is there any homework needed before reading this issue? No, it just it picks aside up aside from knowing who the characters are and if you read Infinity, then no, you at least you have an idea. No, I think it picks up right after Avengers: No Surrender. Oh, the, perfect. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, the um, the Grandmaster. Still has his fingers in the pie. He's the, the, the Black Order is working for the Grandmaster. That's right. That's right. They were. Yep. Yeah. And, um, in case you didn't know, the Black Order collect, collectively, I, they have that name, but individually, they are Corvus Glaive, Proxima Midnight, the Black Dwarf, which is, uh, Glaive's brother, the Black Swan, who we met way, way, way back in, um, Epting Druid, right? That Avengers arc that introduced us to the, the where Cap um, stupidly uh, screwed up the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, I do believe it was that thing. Yes. Yeah, and uh, the Ebony Maw, which is what happens if you don't brush your teeth, kids. So get them brushed. But when this issue opens, it's very simple. I mean, there's nothing really to spoil. Um, the Black Order are targeting planets that are in alliance with this emperor Attican of the Cenarian Empire. Why? Um, well, it's probably been dictated by um, the Grandmaster, but the the book opens with Corvus Glaive, and he's having like a, a, a smattering of an existential crisis. He's like, am I funny? I think I'm funny. Am I funny? Sometimes I, I'm a little dry funny, but, but maybe, maybe people around me just don't get it. Like, and this is why they're, while they're slaughtering people. Um, and he and his party, they're, they're, the way they're approaching taking out the members of this, the citizens of this planet, it's almost absent minded. Like they're just going through the motions and just destroying soldier after soldier. Like they're not even breaking a sweat. Right, mounds of soldiers are piling up, um, and so the the being at the top of the food chain charges in, and he's like, "You stinking aliens, get off my planet!" And he thinks he's actually he he assumes he may actually have a chance 
against the Black Order. And he's trying to, to, to stem this, this rising tide of death. And they bring him down in like two seconds. But, but when he, he rides in, he's on this horned creature. He, it's like he's riding a prehistoric rhinoceros. And he comes in, he's got this massive battle axe, and it's all energized and crackling with, with, with power. And they just they take him out in like two seconds. You know, um, and they they got him on his knees, and he turns into the the guy from the Twelve Days of Christmas song that's writing the Christmas cards. He goes, "I don't even know these people." Like that's what he says to the Black Order. He goes, "Why are you doing this? I don't even know you people." <laughs> and and Corvus is like, "Fuck you!" And they just he just cuts his head off. the The thing is, the this planet got into bed with this this emperor atticus because he's crazy and and this this ruler said you know it would have been it, it was just easier to get on his side instead of do the right thing and risk him coming in here and just destroying everything and i'm thinking well geez that's what the black order just did you know they they raised your planet but um so they kill him and then we we get the the lowdown that the the Black Order is targeting planets in the alliance with this guy, this Emperor Atticus, and, and it, it switches to him, and he's watching the carnage go down from a very safe distance, as most uh, rulers do. Um, and his advisor Splank suggests that maybe the emperor might want at least feign reassurance to the other planets under the scenario umbrella because you know just tell them that maybe they aren't next because they can see the dominoes falling right um the black order hit list but atticus seems to have a little bit of a temper and it's very strongly suggested that the guy has a habit of silencing the mouths of those telling him things he doesn't want to hear you know like he kills advisors so he's a douchebag he's a he's a big baby man right um so the the guy uncharacteristically calms himself and he's like he's he's once he's given the info that the the black order have docked in this uh, spaceport somewhere it's in the the Ryshek sector right so this is where the book gets really funny he he orders his goon and the the soldier's name is big angry say that with a straight face say it with a straight face right it's like yeah get get big angry like okay um so they send big angry after the dreadlords and he says oh don't forget to tell him to send pictures because he wants to see the carnage right wants to make sure that the black order are taken out so but meanwhile the order and it's it's specifically it's Proxima Midnight, right? The, she's wondering if they aren't wasting their time with this Grandmaster thing. Like, how does their current situation benefit them? You know, other than the constant bloodshed, which they seem to really enjoy. Um, and and Corvus is like, yeah, you know, like, what are we getting out of this? This doesn't seem this doesn't seem too kosher. Uh, but they don't have to wonder long because in Waltz is big angry da, 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 and and he's all he's all full of bravado when you see this guy he's he's huge but again it it's it's very omega men meets 2000 AD ish uh 
Like he's he's ridiculously proportioned. He's he's something out of a Liefeld fever dream. The guy's huge and he's got massive um metal on his shoulders and his jaw looks all weird and it's a different color and he he's got shock troopers with him with massive Liefeld guns, you know? And and he's he again, he really thinks that he has a chance against the Black Order. And if if I'm making it sound like things are strongly tilted in the favor of the Black Order, it is. I mean, they they run through these people like hot knives through butter. There's really nothing that these troops can do. They're 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 extremely formidable on the battlefield. Like they and they show each one of them doing their thing, right? Uh, Ebony Maw, extremely proficient at what he does. And Proxima Midnight, she just enjoys cutting heads off. The woman, the woman is is like I, I she she gets a I think a perverse sense of arousal from destroying, from snuffing out lives, right? And Corvus is like he he drops the my love thing constantly when he's talking to her, my love, you know. And then it's narrated by the battle sequence is is narrated by um, Glaive, and when he gets to the Black Swan, he's like, yeah, this is our most stoic member. But she's really, really effective. You know, she's good. She, she Nothing gets in her way. She does the job. She kills, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, time will tell if her inclusion was a wise de- decision. You know, so it's obvious she's very good at what she does. But Glaive is just like, yeah, Jerry's still out on her, which is weird, right? Because she's been with the Black Order for a while. Mm-hmm. I think I think she's more than proven herself, right? But... There's one really cool uh, pair of panels. The um, soldiers, one of the, some of the soldiers have these pointy masks. It's it's like uh, a big cone right on the front of their face, and it looks like a giant beak, right? So Proxima Midnight grabs one of these soldiers, and he, and she goes, "I like your mask. It's pointy." And she takes his body and rams it into someone head first. So. The dude is impaled on the face of the man she just picked up and, and shoved. It's really cool. Um, but as you can imagine, they bring down Big Angry. Uh, they cut his arm off. And uh, they got him on his knees. And he's bleeding all purple blood. And he's and, and Corvus is like, uh, Big Angry will tell me how many more soldiers he has brought with him. And Big Angry says, how many? Oh, little ugly man. And then the last page is a splash page, um, full page. And uh, Big Ugly says, Big, uh, Big Ugly. Big Angry brought them all. And it shows the the order. And they're completely surrounded by, like, soldiers all over the place with these massive Liefeld guns. So it, there, it's strongly hinted that next issue, the order are going to be imprisoned, probably under their own... Um, admission they want to be imprisoned because they probably want to see you know what's going down on this planet blah 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 but who can imprison the black order if they Mm -hmm. wanted to they could take all these guys out without i mean they brought down the big guns what are these stupid little soldiers gonna do you know so uh, but visually holy crap this book is just it's 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 ungodly good the the third page going in focuses on proxima midnight and uh 
right after Corvus says, "How how did I get so depressing?" Like he's 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 thinking all these these uh, thoughts about himself. Like, how did I get here? I'm I'm fine, you know. And uh, the next page, there's an inset of panels about. Uh, well, it's probably like a half page, but it, it's 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 uh, a strong rectangle straight down the middle of the page. But in the in the white in the negative space around the the uh, rectangles, it's proximate midnight, and she's ping ponging through soldiers. It shows her just destroying soldiers all around the page in a clockwork fashion, and then you get a full body shot of her to the right it's an amazing friggin page and i'll put it um in the gallery for this episode on 11 o'clockcomics.com go click on the episode uh 574 and you can see all these these great pages i mean i would i would be hard pressed not to buy this if i ever saw it come across me in person i would buy this page for real, yeah. for reals. It's just, and I could say that about a bunch of pages in this book. Each one is just so much, so much nicer than the the next. It's just an amazing looking book, phenomenal, really. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, um, I I know you're not a, a huge um, tan fan, but it's okay. One of these days it'll click, and you'll be just like, look at all what I'm <laughs> <It's> missing. <okay. laughs> <laughs> yeah you'll you'll get it oh my god yeah this this is a, a freaking grand slam home run for me this book i i waited patiently for it and it paid off i got everything i wanted and more it it's just dripping with bronze age goodness it it could it feels in parts like maybe the ghost of bill matlow is is behind it it's funny it's sarcastic it's the humor is very very dark so you might just want to. You might want to add that the man isn't hasn't left us. No, you know what I mean. Us. Like the the ghost yes. of the writer Bill Mantlow, like the man that that wrote all those great Bronze Age stories. It feels like that guy. That guy has he hasn't passed on, but that man that that was has passed. He is in the past. That, you know what I mean? That may have sold. That may have sold me on it more than anything else you said tonight. It's a hell of a lot of fun. And it's the Black Order. Like, who doesn't like the Black Order? Seriously. They're just cool looking, you know? And and I know a couple people that have uh, pages featuring them from their very, very first appearance. Very, 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 very first appearance, very first page of the comic introducing them. One yeah. of your friends has. Yeah. Yeah. In a box somewhere downstairs in my living room because my art hasn't made it upstairs yet. The... Um, yeah, no, I while while there are some some things about tan I I can take uh like for every for every X-Men there's a there's the um the tie-in, the Final Crisis tie-in that dealt with the question and the Spectre, but there was but he drew that tie-in of course, you drew the Hawkman book that that you adored, watching yeah. from the New Fifty Two, and I still do. Um, <laughs> right, and and I think, and I didn't, you know, he's his. I may not have been 
keen on his style for that book, but I, I can, I can appreciate the talent is, you know, we all have those, those artists, those creators who were like, you know, I can not every, just because something doesn't float your boat. Right. Doesn't mean you, you can't appreciate that. Like, uh, like no, there a, are artists, a rational person. Me, oh, I love that person. And I'm like, I don't, I I don't see how. I mean, like, I just there's a disconnect there between me and the page and the art. And I'm like, okay, I mean, it's it's cool, you dig them, but I I could never. And there are some artists who were like, yo, this dude's the bomb. And I'm like, oh yeah, I can I can see why his style is is right, right. Because you you can remove, you, but it's not. You can take your ego out of this out of the equation. A lot of people can't do that, right? You look at art, well, not you, but there are some that look at art, and if it if it doesn't speak to them, ah, it's not good. Right, yeah. That's, you, just yeah, because it doesn't that. speak to you doesn't mean it's not good. I really right. do not like the music of Eric Clapton at all. I, I, really? Yes, not at all. Just um, Eric Clapton? Or no, I, 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 I really don't like Cream at all either. But okay. I, so, and I, but I listen to it, and I can hear the the proficiency in the guitar work and and the songwriting isn't it's not bad. There's there's definitely consummate skill involved in a lot of the Clapton songs, but I just I just don't like it. You know, I, I, I lay down Sally is like nails on a blackboard to me, but I can't doubt. I'm 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 not, I'm not my ego is removed from it. To the point where I can say that's a good song. It's just not my kind of good song, right? Yeah. You know. And so with with Tan's work, um, you I think you may like this because it's not the loose um, expressionistic Tan that was on Curse of Brimstone. The, oh yes, yeah, and I I still I have those, but I haven't I still haven't read that yet. Yeah, that that's that's very loose. But this is this is. Um, but th- it was loose in the sense that it, it worked for the story, though, right? Oh, perfectly. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Okay. This is just it's it's gorgeous. The women are phenomenal in it. Like Proxima Midnight, every panel she's in is just dripping with with sex. Like she's she, yeah, she's a sexy woman, and she's got those those childbearing hips, so. Yeah, it's really? it's just phenomenal. Yeah, Glaive is a lucky man. Well, I don't think they, I don't think they go down that road. I just, I don't know. They, he doesn't. She doesn't seem like she has much time for that. Like she just wants to kill. You know, she's there. There's one. There's one thing that made me laugh out loud, and you, I, I won't spoil it for you. But when you get to the, it's coming when you get to the scene where they show them in a bar at the the spaceport right but uh proxima says you once ruled the black quadrant and i was the tip of your spear when i close my eyes i still see the faces of everyone i killed during those times and i love closing my eyes like she just likes to kill respect right okay she she knows what she's good at and she does it Everybody has a passion. Yeah. Now, see, I can take that a lot easier than I can take I'm the best there is at what I do. <laughs> and and what I do is not nice. You know, yeah, like, because Wolverine's, he's a killer, but he's he's a killer with a conscience. She does not seem to have one. 
she's just an, an animalistic destroyer of, of the life spark. That's it. And she likes doing it. So there you go. I can respect that. She's a machine. Okay. Yeah. But enough about this. I thought it was wonderful on all levels. And I, and I would recommend this to anybody that liked Infinity or anything involving um, uh, Thanos and the Black Order. If you enjoyed that stuff, you're really going to like this. And Thanos is nowhere to be found because his, his head has now been separated from his neck. Yeah, that could be a problem. That's a big problem. I, I can see that. I can see that being a uh, <laughs> a detriment. Yeah, yeah. This was aces. I love it. Yeah. Oh, makes me so happy. And it's a miniseries. So if you want to get involved in this, it's not going to cost you a bajillion dollars to get the whole story. I believe this is a five issue miniseries. I think four, five or six, whatever the case. But it's not. It, it is definitely a finite series. Yeah, finite. Finite. What you got? Oh man, what do I got? Well, I um, I do have um, about the handy dandy little Comixology app here. Um, this was a first issue um that came out this past week. It has a bunch of creators on it uh ed brisson and matthew rosenberg and kelly thompson your art is by mahmoud asrar in the main story uh and i say the main story because even one story um the uh there are three four including an epilogue parts to it following the main story um those are the uh those are also the each part is written by um one one part is written by rosenberg one part by thompson and one part by brisson with kelly thompson coming back for the epilogue your artists on those three parts mirko kolak um ibrahim roberson Mark Bagley with Andrew Hennessy takes care of part three and the epilogue. This is Uncanny X-Men number one. I um, I read, well, maybe in air quotes, I read the director's cut version. Uh, no, normally the director's cut comes out after. A couple months after. Uh, yeah. You know, whether they're, they're they're trying to do that cash grab or because it's sold out or they're just trying to. But this was released with a director's cut. Um, and along with the main story and the backup stories, you get the cover gallery. And, and there were some really nice covers, uh, depending on which one you have. But um, the the Cliff Chang cover is gorgeous the the scotty young with the young x-men at the x-men babies um i'm not calling them next babies because that's an art adams thing um there's a, a jim chunk hover there there are some pretty cool looking covers scott williams does a cover which is awesome because of course scott williams inked some of some of our listeners favorite x-men stories but of course you're not gonna get a jim lee cover but hey scott williams is fair game 
along with the cover gallery, you get these scripts by Kelly and Ed and Matt. You get um, inked and color pages by Mahmoud and uh, Rochelle Rosenberg, and and so so ba- so so you get the story like three times. You get the main reading, the 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 the. the the main part that you get to read and, and, and sit and enjoy. And then they're going to give you black and white pages of that story you just read. And they're going to give you the colored pages. So basically without the text, without dialogue, without word balloons. Um, yeah, it was really weird. And that, that, that's what you get as well. So yeah, it really is weird. Uh, and then of course the covers for the next, uh, two, three, four, five, the, ne- the, the next nine issues, one, uh, two through 10. You get the covers for the for the upcoming issues, um, so yeah. So they're going. Oh, and 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 character concept art sketches by Mahmoud and Pepe Larraz, and it it's there's um. So you really, I, I, you definitely get some bang for your buck here. I think if you know if if you're a process junkie, it's cool to see the script, and in this way you can kind of see you know how it goes from script to to how Mahmoud reads the script and then decides to to draw those those panels and put those pages together. Um, and, uh, but then again, you may also look at the price and go, well, this is a lot of overkill because I don't need to see the same story again without word balloons or without mm-hmm. color. I mean, it's cool. I have it. It's great. But you know, so I don't want to talk about what you get for your money. I want to talk about the story itself. And this is now I'm when I, when I started reading comics i you know whether it was the new teen titans number 34 or whether it was daredevil 193 or avengers 196 whatever comic i picked up and started to read i didn't read the issues leading up to that and and i had to fill in some gaps and, and thankfully there were you know little little caption boxes that said, you know, see last issue or all the way back in issue 15. And then I could go back issue diving and fill in some gaps and, and everything kind of, I mean, if you were a Marvel fan back in the eighties, you know, we kind of had Jim shooter in charge. And, and of course he, he lived by the whole, every comic is someone's first. So you really don't want to give your reader any reason to not keep reading and, and you want them to get as much information as they can. And um, of course, Claremont took that and ran with it, but you have, there are definitely some expect if, if I'm going into a comic book and I already know the justice league has been around for 25, 30 years before I start reading it, there's going to be some things I'm not going to know. I'm saying all this because I should not feel that way with the first issue. And I really feel this way with this issue of Uncanny X-Men. Now, granted, I have not read. I read X-Men Red because I read the first couple of issues of X-Men Red because Mahmoud was drawing that and I wanted to see what was going on. But as far as like blue and green or gold, whatever else was out there, I have no idea. I have no idea who's on what team. I have no idea how many mutants there are in the world these days. I'm very lost when it comes to the X-Men and and if that's on me so be it um oh that's not true i did read the uh kitty leaving peter at at the altar storyline that um was out a few months ago but aside from that i'm completely lost anyway all i know about this is that um 
the uh, you have your members. You get your roll call right at the front, and it's Jean Grey, and it's Kitty Pride, and it's Bishop, and Storm, X-23, Psylocke, Nightcrawler, Jubilee, who's no longer a vampire, Iceman, Beast, Polaris, Cannonball, Archangel, Northstar, Armor, shout out to Joss Whedon, Pixie, Rockslide, Oya, uh, is it Anole or Anole? Anole? I th- I think it's Anole. But uh, okay. you're, a- you're asking Anole. me how to pronounce something. That's like, I know. shame on uh, you. It's true. We'll see. I know. But we'll have everybody tell us in, in, in soon enough. And and Glob. So um, And Glob. You get a, and Glob. Right. Glob should be so, the first one. It's uh, Glob and everybody else. He's awesome. It's true. It's true. It's <laughs> globs on Candy X Men, as far as I'm concerned. Right. Um, but this is this is simple. Part one, under the leadership of Kitty Pride, the Xavier Institute for Mutant Education. Jesus Christ, Mutant Education and Outreach—that's a mouthful—has served as the latest training ground for young mutants, as well as the headquarters for the mutant peacekeepers known as the X Men. Recently, Kitty was joined by a long-standing X Man, Jean Grey, who spearheaded her own team of X Men for the betterment of mutant and humankind alike. Okay, cool. So I'm running with that paragraph. That's all I need to know. But we kick off with Madrox. Now, I'm not sure if this ties into um, the current or the, the was that a miniseries? The, 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 yeah, the, I bet it does. The most recent right. multiple man. Um, because I do believe, I think Rosenberg wrote that as well. But the um, we start off with uh, basically with Gene having a dream. And, um, or, or a, um, she had a vision and, um, and now I'm just thinking of, see, I say that and I'm picturing one of the, one, one of the parody comics where someone would say, I had a vision and vision walks through the room and the editor's like, no, not now. And I just, I'm sorry. So I'm being sidetracked. Anyway, the, um, there's a huge fight with X-23 in the foreground and Bishop blasting a, a, a multiple a, a multiple of Madrox. And all they're saying is, where is Kitty Pride? Where is Kitty Pride? That, that's yeah. all any of the Madroxes are saying. Um, it's a cool page. And the X-Men are... It is a cool page. And, and the X-Men are basically slaughtering all these multiple men. Um, Gene comes to, and um, there's a... Um, X-23 is offering people orange slices that are just being skewered by her claws. And um, it's an odd image. And it's weird because after reading Bendis' um, X-Men book and and what little I know of X-23, that seems a little – that that seems a bit jocular for her. But maybe that's just It's just a weird – it's a weird sequence. Like – why would you use your claws to to cut an orange like that? And then why would you eat them like if they if they were like shish kebabs? It, it's just it's a strange right. it's I, just I a strange <laughs> sequence. I I I, I didn't find it funny at all. And um, no, it's just it's, it's weird. Yeah, it is really weird. You know, um, it it it's is it entertaining? I don't I don't know. And they keep going on about the claws. Are they clean? You know, do, do, right? Yeah. No, no, no. You're right. They're they're probably fine. That's what I thought you'd say. It's just goofy. Um, 
But go ahead. Sorry. So so Kitty takes her team into uh, in, in, into North Carolina. Um, they're on their way to uh, take on Forearm. And um, <laughs> I think it's the Mutant Liberation Front. So, yeah. and, and, and Rockslide is one of the best characters in this issue, along with Glob. Um, his power is what that he has four arms. What's he going to do? High five us to death. I almost <laughs> lost it. I love that line. So that he says, so, so Glob asks, who's his sidekick? Tricep, the three-armed wonder. <laughs> and, and so Kitty Pride is just like, listen, you know, this is just because you people think we're not pushing you. That, that 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 this that this is a shit assignment. You know, every 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 mission is an opportunity to learn something. So that's what that's what we're doing. And for some reason, it looks like the cockpit short circuits, but Kitty Kitty's not in control and basically she phases through the instrument panel and of course that causes the the, the plane to freak out. Um Pixie hits her head so she can't really teleport the folks out of there um but luckily she does right before and this would have been a cool like cliffhanger page the 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 plane crashes right into the building that i think they're trying to save but the plane crashes right into the building and and um we cut to africa where it's raining and storm has no control over this she she's tried to shift the winds. She's tried to abate the rain, and yet she cannot. Aww. So, um, this is this is a little weird because you know more precipitation has fallen in one day in this area than the area has received in the entirety of the last decade. And um, you know, there's the, this lake that has now formed due to terrain, according to Beast, has. Um, has three different types of fish and at least a dozen species of plants, none of which are native to this area. So this completely isn't natural. And, um, you know, now the, the natives of this area, you know, I mean, have water. It's almost like their prayers have been answered, but something is not, um, this isn't kosher. So that's something they have to figure out. But before we do, we come back to North Carolina and, um, Pixie was able to teleport the team out, um, and we see Forearm, Samurai, Strobe, Dragoness, and Wildside. And apparently, the bad guys were expecting to see some real X Men, not um, not just a bunch of little X babies. And um, Wildside is front and center. Who? Armor says basically is a some dollar store Wolverine. Um, so she takes him out. Um, Rockslide goes to take on Forearm, and and he's still going at it because he's asking why he's got him in a headlock. If you had six arms, would you have been called six pack? Where does it end? And and, and <laughs> he's just the 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 MLF is here because they're. They're trying to stop this lab from making a vaccine to wipe out mutants. So, Forearm is trying to explain to Rockslide that you are you're protecting people who are trying to wipe mutants from the face of the earth. And now everybody's like, not sure who the bad guys are, what side anybody is supposed to to take. Um, 
but Madrox shows up for some reason and slops slaps an ol and and you know wake up I got to ask you a question where's Kitty Pride and of course that's takes us back to the splash page from earlier um and uh he's just like no she's gone man she vanished and and so Madrox like I'm too late I'm too late and he takes off running um the X Men now this time with Polaris and Nightcrawler with X twenty three they show up to um even things out. Um, we don't see it, but basically, well, we see Polaris kind of do a fastball special with X-23, where she hurls her towards the MLF, and there's a black panel with just sound effects, and the next thing you see are the members of the MLF down on the ground and and taken care of. Um, we then cut to Manhattan, where Senator Ashton Allen is speaking and um, the X-Men in this particular instance, uh, Bishop Jubilee, um, Archangel, all in civilian guys, um, Psylocke, Northstar, um, Sam Guthrie, Cannonball. So you have, they're here to, to watch the speech. Apparently um, Kitty pride was supposed to speak. Um, but she's not there and because no one's seen her since she vanished from the plane. So Jean Grey is going to speak instead on her behalf. But Madrox shows up. Jamie starts talking about how um, it's, it's, you know, Kitty's not here. He basically just kind of hijacks the, the speech. Um, the X-Men that were downed in the fight with the MLF, or I'm sorry, the trainees at least, they're being tended to. Um, by beast, the trainees are told to. The, the, the trainees are, I think, trying to. I I I appreciated the the scenes with with the newbies only because it, it, they they kind of cut the tension and um in some it, it didn't really remind me of the old of, of um giant size X Men number one where he introduced the new X Men but it it definitely cut down on the seriousness of the issue. If, if there was really anything serious about this issue, but at least, at least they, they, they added some, some moments where it, as I'm reading it. And again, cause I'm still not clear on everything that's going on. And there are some things where, as you get to the end of this issue, the end of the first story, you, you're not supposed to know everything. And that's cool. Cause that's the first issue. But I expect that after I read the issue, not, not before anyway. Um, while Madrox is speaking, um, something's going on, and a whole bunch of multiple men show up and start storming the um, the, the, the spectators. Everybody standing there, everybody listening to the speech. Um, so basically, Gene's vision is coming true. So the X Men who were there are taking on all the Madroxes. Um, the senator is um, is being whisked away by his security, and um, looks like he he gets knocked down. Jean Grey pushes the crowd away from him, um, 
and she says, you know, you, you need to get up. And, and, and he's, he's basically cowering. Please don't, don't kill me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then he just vanishes, flashes and disappears kind of like the way Kitty Pride did. Um, so all the Madroxes are done fighting and, and they say we're, we're too late. We couldn't stop it. And then they kind of just disappear as well. And, um, don't know what the hell's going on. Everybody's at a loss. The reporters are there asking why Jean Grey attacked the senator. Where did he go? What did you do? Um, turn the page, and there's Kitty Pride shackled to a chair. Off panel, someone screams, hey, wake up. She comes to. It's the senator who's yelling at her to wake up. Um, and he demands answers. He wants to know what you people want from me. And she's like, the, does this really look like this would be my idea? And and Kitty's powers aren't working. The senator still is demanding answers. And off panel again, we see, shut your mouth. The girl does not answer to you. Our captors have earned the wrath of Apocalypse today. Don't be so quick to join them, human. And we see Apocalypse shackled to a giant X as if it were a cross and were to be continued. And that was the end of your first, well, at least the end of the first story of this first issue. Yeah, I tapped out. I when when now, some of when Jubilee says, "Oh boy, I feel like I've seen this speech a million times." When Senator Allen's yes. like, uh, "Mutants are terrible; their weapons of mass destruction." Blah blah blah. I'm like, I'm done. This this is every friggin' X Men issue I've ever read. As as long time or not even long-time X-Men readers, but as, as Marvel comic fans who, who've seen this attitude before, because it happened, it also happened in the, um, in the Clayton Crane drawn X-Force, because you yeah. had that crossover, and, and, and it was the return of Stryker, and, and I mean, so I mean, every, I don't even want to say every generation, every, every few, I don't want to say few months, every few years, this, this attitude, that, 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 conflict or concept comes up and whether someone has a different take on it or they introduce new characters selling the same shit or it's just returning characters spewing their bile again it's it's nothing we've it, it's we've seen this before absolutely and and i i don't i i can't blame anybody for tapping out um but i am i I am, they do have me they have my curiosity peaked as far as who may be behind this I may groan when it's revealed because it's like oh of course or it's just oh yeah whatever but it's it's. I'm interested in that part I, I just really it, it, it's, it sounds as though I was feeling some kind of way about kind of just not it's weird I thinking back on it maybe Maybe I wasn't as dropped into the middle of things as as I thought I was, but reading it the first time, I was like, I don't, I know who some of these characters are, but I'm not sure. Like, I, I guess there's some things I, I didn't want my hand held, but there were just there the, were there were things that I wasn't really sure about, and I think that I, I just kind of carried that over as I was getting through the issue. Um, but then every time I flip a page and I see how many more pages I have to go through, I'm like, well, this is this is going to be a deep, meaty read. It wasn't until I got to the end of the stories. I was just like, this is not a 
deep meter read. This is just more the same as I keep flipping these the pages on this screen. Um, yeah, and then the uh, the 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 rest of the um, the rest of the issues, like I said, is is um, it's what tomorrow brings. Parts one, two, and three, and epilogue. In the days leading up to the multiple man incident at City Hall, the X Men remain committed to their mission of peaceful human and mutant coexistence in their own individual ways. And there was something going on with Bishop. I have no idea. I, I I don't know what's up with his little wristwatch thing. And um, it's this was a completely weird story. Th- this was one that I was really lost about. I, I, I Sugar Man shows up. So hey, shout out to yeah, Age I, of Apocalypse. Sugar Man's <laughs> cool, but Bishop's yeah. not not even on model in this story. Like, why is Bishop all skinny? No, I, I thought it was Forge. Yeah, yeah he's he he looks like he lost a hundred pounds. Of muscle. Yep. Uh, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I, do, uh, I know. I don't know. And the, uh, there was a Jean Grey story where she sits with an older woman and, and, um, they have a little chat and the woman kind of just disappears during their conversation. I mean, Jean turns her head and then turns back around to the table and, and the woman's gone. And then Aurora shows up to have some tea with her. Um, and then everybody just starts blasting shit with their eyes. And, and, um, that just is part of a, the mystery. I'm going to guess, um, armor and, uh, and all have a little story in the sewers. That's the one drawn by Bagley. Um, dark beast shows up to, to fight them. And then they get back to, uh, we cut to the, they leave the sewers and there's Jean, and Storm um, taking on everybody who they saw in the coffee shop and and there's someone someone has taken control of them and is now speaking to Jean through her mind uh, with her mind and um, then the fight ends um, everybody just kind of goes their separate ways and the woman, it, it it's just, it, I'm just gonna say it's a little weird, and uh, but maybe par for the course for the X Men. I'm just, this is the 620th issue of Uncanny X Men, and um, it, there's there's um, as as it's been said, you know, that there are parts of this issue that we've seen and heard before, um. And there's some things that I, I I was amused by, but it was it was definitely I I probably would really appreciate this more if if I was if I was the X Men fan I was ten years ago. So it's it's I if if this hit some if, if this hit all the right notes for you, I am so glad. I I, I want I, I, I want people to have read this and go, this is what I've been waiting for. This is the X-Men book I've wanted, and, and now the X-Men are back, and that's cool. And and I want to hear from those people. I, I, I kind of wanted to read this. Go ahead. No, I can't see anyone saying, like even a longtime fan or, or a new fan, I, I, I just I don't understand how anyone could read this issue and say, oh, that was awesome. It was tedious, man. What I read was just like drip, drip. Tedious, and it. There, I mean, I love Mahmoud, 
We all do, right? I don't think his heart was yes. in this. I, I really don't think his heart was in it. Because when, when I put the, the Conan pages next to these pages, it doesn't even look like the same guy. It, it looks like Mahmoud is energized on Thor and he's having fun and it's bombastic and it's huge. And this just was just like, and it was, it was, it was, you know, I, I, I don't think there's anything remarkable about this issue at all. But I'm just, as a not an X-Men fan, you know what I mean? But I'm just looking at it for just solely. I'm not trying to shit on what you said, but as a, as a storytelling um thing it, it the the story wasn't even compelling it was just it was grating at some points i don't know i, I just i it, it was woof maybe i'm missing out on something something's not clicking but i i just thought it was oh, I'm, I'll, I'll i'll be back for the next issue i know that i i saw somebody post on the um in our facebook group that i guess is going to be a i don't know even though this is called the um i mean this is it, it it's part one of what it's part one of uh disassembled so i think i think there's going to be either an event or something happening like around issue 10 or 11 oh my where, god <laughs> really right, so they're like already i mean we're, we're we're 10 issues away and and we're already getting like and i think it's 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 cyclops it's it, it's 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 in the facebook group but yeah i don't know i i'm so it's they're with Conan coming out. I don't know how many issues Mahmoud is on for this. Right. Um, there were parts of this issue that felt to me in a good way because there's only his way is a good way that felt like Rick Leonardi. Right. I, I, I saw some of the line work and I was just like, that's okay. I kind of see it, but, um, it, it, but yeah, it's, I'm going to see, what the next couple of issues are like and um and see if it's just going to be another x-men book that i tried and it didn't click and and i mean the last the last x-men book i really enjoyed was was bendis's young x-men team and right and it, those were some those are some fun stories and that was Mahmoud drawing most of those, some of those along with Stuart imminent and i mean there was I, I I had some fun with that. It it there was life to it. It it um it just of course, you know all good things must come to an end, but it's it's that's that's kind of where that hit my sweet spot. And in everything since, even even things I've tried, it's just I I I don't know what it is these days about, about the X Men that that's very hard for me to get attached to or um because it's it's really i mean i mean the whole av the the axis and or avengers versus x whatever the hell it was where you know and and then they kill professor x with the phoenix force thing i'm like i just i don't this is not this way off from the things that that drew me to text my comics from back in the day. and I don't, i'm not trying to be the whole grumpy old man rant but they're just no, they're, it's true though i i see a progression with some characters and i see the way you know characters or would would act and and behave and, and react to things and I, I was reading that as it was coming out and i was just like i don't i'm when I, there's you know you shake things up to shake things up or to keep things in the ass and and get people to talk about it and there's just things that you're doing just to because 
you know, nobody would expect it, and that nobody would expect it because the shit don't make sense. I, that's not why you shake things up. Right, right. That's me. When Claremont and Byrne, at their peak, it felt like not only were they challenging the readers, they were challenging themselves. Like, let's make this book fun. Let's, let, I mean, I mean X, Uncanny was not always fun. There was a lot of doom and gloom to no. Uncanny, especially with the, you know, when, when Gene went down that very, very dark road, like that was not feel good comics, right? But it was challenging. It was inventive. The, there were plot twists you didn't see coming. It felt like the book had a soul. These guys were, energized and it, it they they were making comics and they were they're bouncing ideas off each other and it just felt like a revolution this felt soulless to me it didn't it, it just felt yeah. like this was another let's just line up this stuff in column a and we'll bring over a plot twist from column b and we'll create a story and we'll keep these suckers buying until we get this big event going on and, and it's just like why why do you keep doing this? Not only to us, but to yourselves. Like X Men is a shadow of of what it once was. Uh, what's the recipe for saving the X Men? I, I don't know. I, 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 if I had carte blanche and they said, "Hey, do whatever you want to do. These books can't get any worse. Let, let's try and and get <laughs> recapture some of that magic." I would kill off all the kids. Kill them all off. And in, in kill, I mean, in quotes, kill, right? Remove all of the recent mutants going back to, like, get rid of X-23, get rid of all of, of, of the, the second and third tier X-Men, and just bring back that core. Storm, yes. Wolverine, Cyclops, Gene, Iceman, Beast. Just get that, the core of the X-Men back Whittle the books down to maybe two. We've said this a million times, but tell compelling stories, and then you can trickle back the kids. Like, like, come on, it's comics. You can make up some cockamamie reason why they were all taken away. You know, it's you, you, it's it's not hard to fathom some kind of thing that that maybe wanted to to experiment on the the X kids or something like just. Take them all off the board and give us back that X-Men, tell some great stories, and then little by little by little reintroduce the kids back. You know, it's just unwieldy. There's too much going on. It's it's like a really bad case of the Legion. You know how mm. many – there's a shit ton of characters in the Legion, but at least in the Legion – they're from all different planets. So, vis- but I mean, the, the mutants are the same thing, right? It, you, you have all these visually um, different uh, beings. It's the same thing. But uh, at least in the Legion, it's 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 a legion, right? It's a group of of yes. of of beings united from all these different planets to serve the the cause of good. I just think the X-Men have gotten too it's it's been watered down so much over the years that it's just like it it doesn't taste the same. Right? It it doesn't taste nearly I don't the disagree. same. No. And and I'm I'm not trying to be mean or or but I just I don't see what this is going to do. It's just more of the same. We we've read this a gajillion times. I don't know. It saddens me. It really does. Not only because I bought this issue, because I said to Jason, 
I made a bet with him that I would buy the, the at least order the first three, and I did. But it just like That's I don't true. I don't know what I expected. I I just expected some kind of new spin on it, and it's not. It's not a new spin. It's the same old spin. So far, I don't know. It's it just it kind of breaks my heart because there was a time when I I would just run home to read Uncanny. Like stop everything. Yep. This is it. Boom! I got to read this. It's phenomenal. This is what makes me a comic fan. And then uh, over the years, and I and I can't really pinpoint the time when it happened, but it 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 was the the hey, we got lightning in a bottle here. Let's make it into another book. Well, maybe we'll catch lightning in a bottle. And then oh, that's selling pretty good. Hey, let's make another X book and another and another. And it was like we, you know when you give not to to poop on Jason, but when you give Domino her own series, right? I mean, it's just, there's too much. There's too much X-Books. Let's, let's whittle it down. It just, I don't know. I think Marv Wolfman would have been great. He, he would have known how to, to, I mean, he maybe has zero interest in writing the X-Men, but if he could bring some of that Titan's magic to, to the X-Men, mm-hmm. that would, that would be awesome. He's good with big casts. That makes my day. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. I like, think so. Yeah. And, and like, throw an artist on there that's not in the X-Men mold and see what happens, right? They tried it with Ladron on cable, and it worked great. But, I mean, I would love to see something like that on the uncanny X-Men proper. Like, get an artist that's really not cast in the Jim Lee ad infinitum um, mold you know what i mean like the just someone that's mm-hmm. coming from left field and make it a visually diverse exciting book that's not beholden to anything other than what's happening right now um it kills me i wish this was good sorry i know i know hey no dude we we i I'm right there with you. I wanted to to be done with it and go, this is awesome. I'm so on board. Um, but I just, I, I, maybe I'm not the target audience. I think the reason why you made it through is the book as far as you did was because of the, the, the remembrance of things past, right? You you remember a time when X Men was the be all and end all of of comics. That and the Teen Titans. There was a time when those books were neck and neck, and they were both just compelling reads, just all across the board, art, story, everything about them was just wow. And it's been a long, long time since that was the case. Right, that's true. You get these Very pockets, true. pockets of greatness, but uh, generation next. Uh, I'll give it up for Age of Apocalypse. I mean, that was a, a wow. Who saw that coming? Mm-hmm. Right, and it, it it was whoa. I mean, I I dropped everything. I wasn't reading um, X Men at that point, but when that shit went down, I was like, this is different. I'm gonna see what's up, and it was awesome because it was different, and and it was unexpected and totally against the norm of what was going on. 
And wow, let's just, I was one of the ones that were like, hey, continue this. Don't go back. Keep this going. This is great. Yeah. Right? It's only been four months. Give me more. Yeah, I need more. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe it is the old fart syndrome. Maybe we are just long in the tooth when it comes to some books. And I think X-Men is one of those books that, you know, you you can't, it's tough to recapture the magic of what made Claremont and Byrne and Smith, uh, the, well, let's just say the Claremont run. W- what made that great? You know, y- you you can't bring it back because even if you brought Claremont back, he doesn't approach the the characters or the or storytelling the same way as he did back then. So yeah. it, what was was and can never be again. I guess I don't know. I should shut up, but I won't. You tell us what else you got. Yes, because I have another Marvel book, and it it's the flip side of the Black Order. Because with the Black Order, I hotly anticipated the book. Uh, with this, it was uh, I read it on a lark. I was like, okay, this is a phenomenal cover. I'll I'll see what's up. I know who these characters are. Uh, I have history with these characters. Not only do I have history with the characters, I have history with the genre uh, as applied to Marvel. And uh, the book in question is Daughters of the Dragon, number one, which is, yeah, which is written by Jed McKay, illustrated by Travel Foreman. And that was the foot in the door I needed, Travel. Um, Color art by Jordan Gibson, the... uh, the story is called Bunraku, and um, I haven't been keeping up with Misty Knight and Colleen Wing, um, other than having a soft spot in my heart for them, the the characters. Over the years, um, recent developments with both of them, I have no idea. I, I, I know Misty is now working in the FBI, or, or, or and um, Colleen is, is, is on her own, but they're still tight. They're still booze, uh, but they're, as far as I'm led to believe by reading this issue, they're they're not joined at the hip like they once were, but that's okay because they're both still in each other's lives. But Colleen is investigating um, the, a rash of missing children uh, around Topanga Canyon, and she's attacked by this group of life-sized dart puking geisha puppets they're they're animatronic uh female they're geishas they're animatronic puppets and their head just tilts back and lifts up and you get this huge dart shooting thing in their mouths and and the the sequence is really there to illustrate colleen's proficiency with the katana like she makes short work of of the the puppets and uh dodging the, the the darts as they come out it's a cool cool sequence uh, chop chop, right? Um, puppets in many pieces. But so she decides to, she's like, okay, we got a, a bunch of missing kids. So I'm going to go where the kids are and I'm going to ask around. Why does she sound like Columbo? Hey, um, that's a pretty damn hot Columbo. Um, so she, she, she hits the road, right? And she gets in her car, not her car. She's, She's car watching or for this rock star or something. Um, she decides to take it to the streets and she's on the highway and she's picking up 
teen hitchhikers, which is kind of creepy, and they even say so in the book, right? But she's really trying to uncover some kind of clues direct from the horse's mouth. So, you guys see anything strange? Or like, what about all these missing kids? Does it make you feel weird to hit the road unprotected when all these kids are disappearing? Do you have any information on this? You know what I mean? So she's trying to to seamlessly integrate herself into teen culture in order to get some information, in other words. So she picks up two kids, um, Ren and Carlos, and she starts grilling them. You know, not so subtly, she grills them. But, and, and they talk about this Agora Friendship Home, which is like this, it's a throwback to the 60s. It's this, this haven for kids that feel disenfranchised or, you know, society's not doing it for you. Come here. It's this psychedelic pseudo mystical mumbo jumbo, um, organization that, that on the surface, it brings kids in under disguise of friendship and community and stuff and blah, blah, blah. Um, but really, there's this dude called Robert Lyme. He's a mess. Uh, he's old and he's crumbling. And he's on oxygen. He's got like no hair. And he's in a robe. He's like Hugh Hefner, like really, really bad Hugh Hefner, you know? Um, and, and Colleen takes the, the kids to this, this Agora friendship home and her and she and this Robert Lyme touch, like they greet each other and instantly they get the, the bearing on each other like the and it's beautifully illustrated in a panel the the robert lime is is has his hand outstretched and she's touching him but there's um this uh essence of each other spewing from the characters and colleen's is blue and it's a samurai and this robert lime guy is red and it looks like this big toothed oni type bestial character you know what i mean so they they establish straight on that colleen is the light side and this guy is the 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 uh, aggressive fiery uh not so nice side you know and um colleen she's like there's something really off about this this friggin agora home but you know she's talking to misty and she's like these these kids i i think they're in danger misty's like don't do anything on your own do not just wait for me i'm, I'm a coming just don't do anything on your own okay girl just don't and colleen's like yeah okay and guess what she does she goes in on her own <laughs> colleen colleen goes into the compound on her own she got the sword right and the guys at the door are like, you know, you can't bring that sword in here. And she's like, you know who I am, right? And they're like, yeah. And she's like, do you really think you're going to get this sword from me? And they're like, go right in. Go ahead. <laughs> you can go in. Um, so they let her in and she gets to, to, to Lime. And, and it, it, the, the, the twist is that Lime was struck with the Ansatsuken which is the assassination fist, the death punch. He got hit by the death punch, and he's been dying ever since. And Colleen calls it, and this was the ding, ding, ding that made this this issue really work for me. She says, oh, you got hit by the deadly hands of Kung Fu. Who didn't see that coming? <laughs> Who didn't see that coming, right? Um, so the dude paid pretty big for this experience. He's been dying by inches, um, and every effort he's, he makes in life is to escape this, this death spiral. So how does he do him? How does he do it? 
Well, the friendship home is a front. And these kids that come in, he drugs them and he drains their blood. And he transfuses himself with their blood just to, to push this, this death spiral away. And it's been working so far, but Colleen's like, no, nah, son, you can't be doing this. I'll be Jason <laughs> while he's gone. Um, and, and the guy's on his knees and he's got his back to her. So Colleen just pulls out the katana and shears him of his head. But guess what? It wasn't him. It was a robot. And, um, yeah, the, the, um, the the person here's the deal the person that hit lime with the death touch has a beef with colleen wing and he's going to trade his life give me back my life and i'll give you colleen wing he just wants to save his own skin you know so um when she cuts his head off the is a puppet one of those gummy puppets, the, the the animatronic um assassin puppets. The mouth opens up and she, he spits out a dart and she wasn't fast enough this time. And she gets tagged right right in the neck. And this is where the book gets really weird and really awesome. So Colleen is tripping balls out on whatever kind of drug it was in the dart and the colors for the, the the book shift like before this the colors are fairly straightforward right skin tones are flesh you know colleen's she's 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 um she's got the flesh tones going on she's got the red hair right but after she gets hit by the dart everything goes out the window and it turns into this psychedelic mishmash like colleen's face turns bright pink and she's got spirals for eyes and everything turns psychedelic and the color the chrome is jacked up on all the colors and they're bright it i mean it, it looks like the psychedelic 60s uh there's a point where her skin turns green um her the font used for her dialogue balloons is affected uh the shape of her dialogue balloons is affected um you could see trails of when she moves her arm there's a latent image of where her hand was and it keeps you know what I mean? Like when did you ever see Song Remains the Same? Zeppelin? When the wizards Yeah, I think so. Y- yes, it, it it's like slow motion, slowly decaying latent images overlaid on each other. That's what right. it looks like in here. Yep. Yeah. And um everything's distorted, like the goons that she saw on the way in look like wolves and pigs and and demons. Like it is a it's a psychedelic freak out. And Thankfully, Colleen, or not Colleen, Misty comes to rescue her. And when she sees Misty, Misty has wings. Like she's got this this shirt on and it's blowing behind her. When it blows behind her, the, the shirt tails turn into wings. It's a beautiful, beautiful page. Beautiful page. Um, and so Colleen comes in and rescues her. And, you know, they, they eventually take out Lyme. Uh, in the guise of a you know, gigantic uh, um, assassination puppet. But Colleen purges the drugs from her system just by using the warrior's code. She uses the, all of the, uh, the training that she's endured over the years to purge all the toxins from her system. And she, she, she picks up a bow and she's the, the 
Lyme's goons come after her on motorcycles. And she says, um, there's a point in here where she's like, eat your heart out, Clint. You know, eat your heart out, Barton. Barton. Yeah. So she, she knows she's damn good with a bow and arrow. And, um, no, I mean, the issue, it, it's, it's a done in one, but there's more to come because as they're talking about everything that happened, like they saved the two kids, uh, that, she picked up in the car and they, they, assumedly they shut down the friendship house and they're at a little bistro or whatever, uh, drinking iced teas and they're talking about it and there's somebody in the background listening to the whole thing. So there's more to come from this. But I mean, as the first issue, I thought it was a hell of a lot of fun. It, zero investment. You don't need to know anything other than other about Colleen Wing and Misty Knight. Then they're friends. They have a past. They do good. One has a cyborg arm and is foxy. The other one is is very good with a katana. I mean, you don't really know have to know anything about them. It's just a fun issue. But the thing that really jacked this one up in terms of the enjoyment factor was Travel Foreman. And the uh, the art was great. And uh, props to Jordan Gibson for the psychedelic sequences, the colors are on freaking point. Like I thought, this issue was great, and I'm gonna gonna That's stay awesome. with it. Um, I've not ironically, the collection of this series is offered right now in previews. So yes, the first issue of this just came out, and it's it's a exercise issue. I think it's forty some pages. Let me see. It's 40, it uh, looks like 48 pages. Yeah, so it's it's bigger than, than normal, usual. And you can get the collected edition right now in previews through D- Discount Comic Book Service. I think it's like nine bucks. I think you would like it a lot. Oh, oh sounds like it. It's kicking. It, oh, it's, that's Dollar it, Right. It's all, and, and she mentioned something about Danny, too. You know, Danny's not the only one who can channel his chi. Yeah, so it's it's they ground it in the Marvel universe, but it really has nothing to do with the Marvel universe right now. It's just two girls, two two buds, BFFs, just kicking ass. It's fun. Some of my favorite Marvel comics from back in the day were those old. I don't want to say old, but those those Paramount and Iron Fist issues before issue 100 and even after 100 when Owsley was writing it, but um, because it was just it was so in them Daredevil. It's like they weren't really yes, they were part of the Marvel universe, but they they weren't really the Marvel universe really didn't bother with them. Right, they and, were on, on the they were able fringes. To just kind of do their own thing and yeah, yeah exactly and yeah. it was just and yeah i mean even though you know you had the tr and the yellow shirt and and yeah danny with the ballerina slippers but it was still just to be the two of them playing off each other and some of the problems and foes they were facing and and the the issues that are in chandrew i mean colleen and misty looked fine it was just it, it was a good time yeah i have a super super spot i buy those issues whenever i can now, let me ask you a question. Why have they never, I don't know, maybe they have. Um, from my recollection, why have they never 
collected Power Man and Iron Fist completely. Like, is there an epic collection line with Power Man and Iron Fist or something? I, I'm pretty sure there's 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 the essentials, the black and whites. Mm. I don't know if there's anything epic. I don't know if they've they've collected the. Or an omnibus, I mean, maybe? There's not an om. Like, how long did Power no, Man and Iron no, Fist I mean, last? I, I know they. Well, it went from issue 51 or 50. So 50, 51 to 125 when Captain Hero killed Danny. Wow. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Um, While he was sleeping, no less. <laughs> while he was sleeping, leaned up against the fucking chair in his little red outfit. Um, and uh, it was. Um, yeah, one twenty because Mark Bright drew drew the last few issues. Uh, Owsley, as Owsley wrote them, um, burned in some covers in the earlier one hundreds. But the but yeah, because because Iron Fist, I think ran until like issue fourteen, and then yeah, or is that when Sabretooth Fist appeared? But anyway, so so Iron Fist ended. Luke Cage, Hero for Hire, was one through I think maybe fifty. And then with issue fifty one, it became Paramount Iron Fist. Um, and you would think, with both wrong, of them Luke- being on the TV, that they would have yeah. done uh, like a. So, what's an average omnibus? Twenty five issues, more, right? Can be more, right? So, do two Luke Cages, and then start with the Luke Cage Power Man. Do like it would be no more than four omnibus, right? Like, why haven't they done this? Because I want to read those old Power Man and Iron Fist, and I don't have them. I buy I buy those issues whenever I see the Metacon in the back issue bin, because they are hella cheap. Yeah. I I have the first appearance of Luke Cage. I know that. I have the first issue. Whether or not that was whether or not that was his first appearance or not, I have that first one. But that's it. Like I just bought that on a whim one day because it was cheap. Way back when I said, "Okay, I don't have this. I might as well buy it." I bought it, read it, enjoyed it. Didn't buy any more. Put it in the box. It's still there in the box, and it's it's. I've never read. I like. Uh, yes, I read the Richard Corbin Cage just because it was Richard Corbin. So I don't have a huge. Right. And I read. Bendis's take on Cage, which is not the Luke Cage of the Bronze Age, you know. So I have sure. this. I have a big gap in in my my Luke Cage um, experience, and I maybe read ten issues of Power Man and Iron Fist, maybe. That was so much fun. I read <sighs> the and and I I made made sure to read that last couple because it, I knew the book was going away, so I wanted to see what was going down. And it's the um, probably one of the worst final issues ever. It, it, you're not wrong. <laughs> um, there is the Paramount Iron Fist Epic Collection Heroes for Hire. This is uh, looks like it's volume one. It collects Power Man numbers forty eight and forty nine. Power Man and Iron Fist numbers fifty through seventy. Wow, that's a good run. Um, and it looks like. There is a volume two collecting Power Man and Iron Fist 71 and 72, 74 through 89, Daredevil number 178. I don't know. Maybe it was a reprint or a... um, 
It may have been a reprint. I'll look it up. Uh, Daredevil number 178. And that's it for that one. And I don't know if there was a third edition. The second volume is in stock at Amazon. The first one might be out of print. Uh, this was released uh, two years ago. Second collection. So they're due for a third to finish it up. Huh. Interesting. I mean, so, Joe Duffy, Denny O'Neill, he had some, he had Terry Gamble, Trevor Von Eden. You can Let me get. see if we can find out. The uh, Power Man and Iron Fist Epic Collection. This contains. 71, 72, 74, the one you said with Daredevil. You can get that on uh, DCBS for 23, 24 bucks. Nice. Yeah. Dennis Cowan did the cover. But I'm not seeing the first uh, Oh, you know why you'll never get number 73? Why? <laughs> of course. Because there's a Space Knight on Rampage. Enter Rom. Son of a bitch. Are you kidding me? Rom showed nope, up in... 73. Oh, now I'm going to have to buy that. Maybe yep. I even have it. Because I bought everything with Rom in it. Maybe that's one of the ones I do have and I read. I don't know. I got to check the... Frank Miller's your cover artist. Well, then it makes it extra awesome. Holy crap. Sure. There you go. That's um, you. Yeah, uh, if it had ramen and I bought it. <laughs> so that, that issue of the Hulk with Rom, with the Sienkiewicz cover, that's probably not collected. Yes. Isn't it? Oh, I love that cover. Isn't it great? Rom with the butt shot. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Why am I looking up your butthole? But the. Uh, butthole. <laughs> the, yeah, no, seriously. I And I have. I know I have a box here where, because I think it was a New York Comic Con, it was when I was picking up a lot of the Anacenti, Romita Jr., Al Williamson, Daredevil issues, um, and I want to say, I might have picked up some Milestone comics that weekend, but I believe there were some Power Man and Iron Fist in there as well. Sweet. So we went off on a tangent, but that's okay. That's what these kind of episodes are for. We do tangents. Tangents are good. Tangents are good. Uh, another first issue I read. What that? This would be William Gibson's Alien One. Wow! Not Alien Cube because that was a movie. Uh, yeah. And this is uh, adapted by Johnny Christmas, who um, it's, it's it's what it says, bro. For real? Um, might be, might be a synonym. Might, might be an, uh, might, might be a pseudonym. I don't know. Might be a pen name. Um, but yes, Johnny Christmas uh, adapted the script and done drew it. Color art is by Tamara Bonvillain and uh, letters by Nate Picos of Blambot. Hmm. Um, this was a... Uh, I really, really 
like this. And I want to read Gibson's screenplay now after reading this first issue. Um, because we we kick it off on the uh, USS Seleco in the hypersleep vault. And um, someone is, um, well, we see characters in the hypersleep vault, but um, there's a, a navigational software failure, and the Sulaco has uh, entered territory claimed by the Union of Progressive Peoples. Auxiliary systems are now online. So um, now that it kind of strayed off course, the UPP interceptor is um, making its way to it. And um, they get on board the ship. Um, It looks like some shit went down on the... um, on the Slaco. Uh there's a capsule malfunction in the hypersleep vault that they come across, and um, there is a a um, well, basically, there is the alien egg, just all fully formed in the in air quotes guts of our torn in half bishop who we see who we yeah. saw that happened to in aliens um the egg opens lunches onto um one of the hijackers or pirates or you want to call them um onto his helmet he runs away arms flailing um and uh they yell for him to come back but um while he's being attacked, he's firing his blaster everywhere. She gets on fire. They grab, um, they grab what's left of Bishop and they take off. Um, cause they, it's it, the, the Sulaco is going to, um, leave the sector in, in three minutes. So they can't be on there. They can't be on board because of the treaty. Um, so they're done. They're out. We cut to, um, a uh the anchor port cluster in deep space which of course belongs to uh the Wayland Yutani Corp um doesn't everything we right <laughs> uh there is a um the <laughs> there's we we're 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 quickly not no formal introductions, but we it's kind of a day in the life kind of thing where one of the officers goes to get one of um her science officers and uh science officer is getting busy with um a coworker or, or, or another um another soldier uh who who looks like she has some pretty nice yeah, you you'd like that page um looking at it now yeah yeah i like christmas's work man i'm liking i'm I'm liking the way this looks a lot um so the the sciences and the weapons division show up on board the um the anchor point uh they're they need to they need to get to they're going to get the Sulaco and, and um, 
and basically I guess, bring it home for lack of a better term. Um, people aren't trusting anybody and uh, the suits are being secretive and, and shady. The officers of course aren't too down with that. Uh, but when, um, when they get to the hypersleep vault, Hey, check it out. Shit. There's a kid over here. And, who's probably still dreaming because she asked Ripley if they could and, and, and they can. And, uh, Ripley's pod opens up her capsule opens up. She lunges at the, um, at the, I want to call them soldiers, but, but so she lunges at, 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 at the, uh, the landing party. They, uh, they knock her out with a, uh, with a shot, um, with, with a needle. And, um, and while all that's going on, the uh, the two people, one from the sciences and one from the weapons divisions, they're um, they're they're on their own mission, and and they're not with the with the boarding crew, with the landing party. They're doing their own thing. Unfortunately, one of the boarding party uh, catches them in the act of doing something that is above our pay grade. Um, but we're back at the anchor port at the anchor point cluster med lab slash morgue. Um, and they're, uh, they're going to cut the, the, the weapons and science division. They're going to do an autopsy and, uh, see what's what in this particular soldier. And then we, um, we're back at the UPP space and the, uh, the, the Rodina space station in the cybernetics lab. And, um, we're patched into what's left of Bishop. And there's a, um, there's a Colonel who is asking one of the, uh, one of his soldiers, if, if this particular creature is the one that they saw attacking, um, Captain Kurtz, and it is. It is one of the um, the hatched egg aliens. Um, and then he shows her a xenomorph, and and she's like, "No, that that's not what we saw." Um, but then we're back at the anchor port med lab, and there's a marine on the bed smoking. Doctor says, "No smoking in here, marine." He takes a couple of puffs and says, "Yes, ma'am," and he turns his head. And we see that one side of it is pretty decently scarred, um, maybe burned, maybe burned from acid. But I'm, I am pretty sure. Now, I don't want to. He doesn't exactly look like Michael Bean, but I am pretty sure that this is Hicks, right? I don't know. I didn't read it. But it Well, who was alive at the end of Aliens? Hicks, Ripley, Newt. Ripley, Newt, and Hicks. Right. And, and, okay. And so, Bishop. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure this is Hicks. Well and, and well, what was left of Bishop. What was yeah. left of Bishop. See, I have questions. I have questions. Yeah, I, like, I, I think it's how did an alien did the xenomorph egg get entwined in Bishop's guts? When did that happen? Like, why aren't we shown how that happened? Because that's a pretty big thing, because, right? 
Well, because this, we're, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm going to have to dig out the, the nine disc. Well, this, it's basically, it's like three or four discs and a couple of coasters, but I, I need to dig out the alien quadrology or whatever the hell it was, because I want to watch aliens again now that I've read this issue, because I, I'm almost positive something snuck I, I want to say something snuck before it was sealed for hypersleep. I don't think anything was inside Bishop. I think something might have snuck into the capsule. And if that's the case, then it just stated while everybody was sleeping. But a, an egg can only be deposited by a queen. The, the warriors don't make eggs. And the queen... And- So that, you know what I mean? It's really strange that Bishop's, we saw Bishop thrown across the floor, right? And he still had his shirt on or what was left of his clothes. This has a Bishop with, he's shirtless and his intestines are wrapped around an an egg. Like, I want to know how it got to this point. Like, what freaking happened to get him... I think that's a pretty important plot point, don't you? Well, right on the first page, it looks as though... It, yes, you're absolutely right. Yeah, we, we there's going to be... I don't think... Now I'm wondering... Now I'm wondering if there was a screenplay of Aliens where this did happen to Bishop and it never made it into the final film. Hmm. Okay. Because I'm reading this thinking that, you know, everything we saw in Aliens, and this is just picking up after that movie. So whatever happened in that movie, that's what you saw. That's 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 where we're starting from. Now that movie ended, roll credits. Now here's this <laughs> next chapter. And <laughs> that's so I'm I'm going by what I can remember mm-hmm. happening in aliens. That's why right. I want to see the movie again. So, um, I'm in on the first page when we see the Saleco Salako and, and, and we were in the vault. There is, there is something happening in Bishop's pod because there's the blue tint over everything, but then, we see there's there's full color in that one little panel and and something is is spewing and and thrashing about and throwing liquid all over the place because it's landing all i mean it's it's not full bukaki but i mean there's there's a lot going on in that panel right so it did it it whether it Maybe they'll explain it. Maybe they'll explain it. I hope they'll explain it because, I mean, that's a it's a big deal, right? I just I find look at Bishop. Yeah, if you look at his arms and around his his ribs, it's like that's like maybe those aren't intestines. Maybe maybe that's part of the so it was all up in him. Did something did. But why would did he it? do something before he was cut in half? Did someone do something to him? 
because I, he the, the xenomorph would never infect Bishop because he's he's not a flesh and blood creature. So did someone did someone did just like David in in the movies did in the last two movies did did someone on the ship? Oh man, now I'm trying to. Did he drink something? Did so- something happen where... No, that was the other dude in, in Prometheus who drank something because yeah, yeah. David slipped it to him. But it was... Did someone... Damn it. Right. I really need to see this movie. But Shit. It's, it's, this issue is really interesting on a number of levels because the cornerstones of the Alien franchise up until this point, Newt, Ripley, Hicks... I mean... Ripley and Newt only appear in this issue for seven panels, and they don't speak. Ripley's, Not yet, yeah, right. Yeah. Ripley's just like, ah, you know, she's she just come out of out of hyper uh, sleep, and she's you know being Ripley, um, and she's fighting. But it's an atypical beginning. Um, but not having read this issue, just going by what I can see here on the page, this is infinitely better. Than, than what we got. I mean, sorry to Joss Whedon or whoever the frig was involved with Alien Three, but sure and yeah, yeah, this is infinitely better. We do not get the grisly snap and the the disgusting close up of Newt being autopsied, um, and which was just a kick to the nuts to every person that loved the first two movies, where you know, mm-hmm. um, here are two characters that managed to make it out of this chaos alive and we're just going to kill them off right in the beginning of the movie and then we're going to you're going to see them autopsy it just was just in very very poor taste it, it was a flagrant mm-hmm. fu i mean i'm glad we feel the same about this alien 3 is is an abomination the it movie really is. the movie alien 3 is abomination it's not it's 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 a you know you might I, a case can be made or it's a pretty funky horror sci-fi story, but as part of the alien franchise, it's atrocious. But, you know, you can say that about everything after aliens with the exception of Prometheus and the, yeah. the, what was yeah, the, that's on the, the, and, um, um, the covenant, what, covenant, the, covenant. Yes. Uh, Prometheus Covenant's good because it hinges on Prometheus, which is a far better film. Yeah, but I yes. mean Covenant still f- at least it's fun, and and you get yeah, I enjoy it a lot. There, there's a there's a um, a continuation of the mythology of Prometheus that was entertaining and thought provoking, and it made sense. Resurrection and Alien Three, like mm. those movies, they're just bad. They they don't do anything for the franchise other than sell more. Well, the hopes of selling more tickets. They're just they're terrible movies, right? right? Yeah. And and you know Sigourney Weaver should be ashamed of of actually agreeing to appear in these things because they're just horrible. Um, but I see Newt all sleeping there, where the guy says, "Shit, look look at this. There's a kid here." Like the fact that Newt's alive in this. I'm in. I, yeah. I I gotta read this. But um I, I like I mean the art is 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 good. It's not what I would have expected. But it's that's it's, true. Yeah, yeah especially after we've had the Stoko, we've had Hardman, we've we've had 
we've we've seen a and even the um it's not dark with the the fire and stone right yeah we, we yeah. had we we've it, it does seem there's there's um yeah i don't turn the pages with this like sense of doom and and right for boom. right now it, anyway it's, there's movement to it which yeah. which doesn't always happen in, in an aliens comic and you slap william gibson's name on something like i'm gonna want to read it <laughs> i know i know yeah. Yeah. Uh, this looks good i'm 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 very, oh, i so enjoyed it very pleasantly surprised but i need questions answered like that i mean it yes. may it may be me just being um an asshat, but I need to know how that egg got intertwined with Bishop, because that that's a make it or break it moment for me. If it, I'm I'm hoping somewhere in this narrative somebody says or or it's revealed how that got there, I I just need to know because that's the bridge between aliens and this thing. I'm surprised it wasn't fleshed out further. Like you, he they because I'm glad they didn't. I- they, they, could, they could have well, did they a whole issue. Right. They could have did a whole issue with just a, a, a wordless, enough said issue with just um, Ripley and Newt and Hicks in, in cryosleep and the getting the egg to the point where it's around Bishop. That would have been an okay first issue or a zero issue or something, you know? I need answers because the aliens, aliens, and and the first movie are very very important to me, and I need to I need to know. You just can't show me something like this big with an alien egg in Bishop's guts and not explain how the frigate got there. Yeah, I don't I don't want to. It's I'm I'm tempted, but I don't want to do no Wikipedia anything and and ask you know did how did how did Bishop get the egg i just i'll i'll watch the movie and see it for myself i, I don't want because uh i'll see it and i'll be like oh that's right whereas if i read it i'm like yeah i still oh, don't I, yeah i don't remember that yeah memory fails like i i don't have the the total instant recall <laughs> like that. That, I, that i used to have so we could be there could be people shouting at the at us right now like are you stupid did you not remember this very important plot point from aliens and like yeah i'm sorry i just i maybe uh you know long day but i just i I, seriously i I need to know but otherwise this looks really really good and and there's this person in shadow this whole time like his face is actually blacked out in one panel where he, he says we wouldn't have it any other way and there's a blonde woman in the in the foreground with a coffee cup and it like why is that person's face all blacked out i don't know but uh, you're right it probably is hicks at the end which begs oh no it's he's still it's it's the um yeah, i don't know why is his his why his face is blacked out there, but he's the same guy that that's been talking to. Um, okay, yeah. And she does. She makes a point at the end of saying, "Hey, there's no smoking in here, Marine." If she's talking to Hicks, yes, Hicks, Hicks is a Marine. But I wish yes, they they exactly. would have. He does have the crew cut. I would have liked to have seen some blonde yeah. in there. That would have sold it. 
if if the hair was actually bl- if we could see the blonde hair of Hicks. Like I don't want you to do, you know, don't trace Michael Bean's face right. for this thing, but at least yeah. give me some blonde hair. I don't know. Yeah. Pretty de- and it looks like the cover of issue 2, they're not done with that with uh Bishop. No, definitely not. Yeah. You could probably read this whole thing. Go ahead. Um, at once. I bet you the screenplay's online somewhere. It's got to be. Yeah, but that would be cheating. We don't want to do that. All right. Woof. For for not a, a long episode, we're already two hours yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It I happens. Know. I know. <laughs> this is how we do. It's, it's Sorry. The impangents, we're we, we going to wrap it up. Yeah. All right. Hey, everybody. Uh, thank you for being here with us. If you want to save, and who doesn't, go to Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com, where you can get your books delivered right to your very front door. Pick up your phone. You can have books. It's amazing. Um, the specials this month from Image, it's the Jesus Free Card Cover for eight ninety nine, Turok Number 1 from Dynamite for $1.99, and Weird Number 1. Uh, out of Dark Horse for again a dollar I don't know if I I'm gonna do this as my annual travels because I'm only gonna touch upon it, um, and maybe I will uh, go into it more when Jason comes back because he read this and as did I and we talked about it a couple episodes back and we were both completely bamboozled as to what exactly was going on here but um i read it again actually i I read it three times because the narrative is is structured in a way that okay there's a travel blogger by the name of lodger and and he goes to um, a little town called Blossom, which is is uh, a host to the Northern Lights. And he has, again, um, second time I said this, this episode, he has an existential crisis um, while seeing the, uh, the Northern Lights. And the whole narrative goes on about, you know, there, there are things to do in Blossom and, and you go to this... this um, uh drugstore hitch's drugstore and you can get some 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 great ice cream and blah 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 um and the narrative the ca- the the caption boxes are all the product of this travel blogger so there's an the narrative is off kilter because while the 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 narrative boxes are from the travel blogger the events that are going on in each panel are not they may be related to what the travel blogger is talking about but the um events within the panels more often than not uh are the um adventures let's just say of this girl named ricky toledo that seems to be chasing someone she's hot on the heels of a of someone who who may be the travel blogger because she follows the blog and she said well when she's in hitch's drugstore she says yeah i heard on i read on on this website 
this lodger site that you know the, the lodger was here and he said to get this ice cream he said you make great ice cream um and she's she's searching for someone and in the process of searching for someone she finds a dead body um she gets uh into an altercation with the local police and she she beats the shit out of of a cop and takes uh, takes a car and it's um there's there's a man who's involved with an elderly woman a local elderly woman and he kills her in his sleep and he's got a mole right under his eye and and this 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 semi-elderly hunchback of a man may be the lodger that's writing the travel blog and it's implied at least in the solicitations for for this book that the the lodger is a serial killer as well as a travel blogger so he may be doing double duty whenever he goes to a a, a town within his 200 mile uh limit that he also takes lives too and she has um a past with this person and this Ricky Toledo and she's chasing him down but it's it's a very I think it's a very complex uh way to approach this story because it, it immediately knocks you off um any kind of um comfortability with the narrative because you're on edge you, the there there's one timeline going on with the, the 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 caption boxes and there's another going on within the panels and it's just it's 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 an unsettling way to to approach this and it, or, or a story of this type and it's just then there's another person that gets on a bus who's also named Ricky and it's it, it it's david lapham so it the the story at least in the first issue all of the layers of the onion have not been revealed right uh written by david and maria lapham cover art by david lapham interior art by david lapham it's from idw's black crown imprint um did i love it i don't know if I love the art because I'm a big fan of David Lapham. And if you like Stray Bullets, this is more of the same. Um, but the the story has intrigued me, but I need to know more. And I will know more. As, this is a limited series. I believe it's six issues. Um, $3.99 cover price. It, it was pretty damn good. Um, but it's that slimy, seamy underbelly that Lapham likes to explore. I mean, this little town of Blossom is uh, usually an uneventful town, and on this very day, it turns out like three people die, um, and it, like it just seems like the the house of cards in Blossom is falling, collapsing, and it's in in walks this Ricky, and she she's she's young, but she's worldly. Like she plays these two local cops like like nobody's business. She gives them the old blinky eyes and and oh i didn't know i lost my saint christopher's medal and it, it that plays into the story i don't want to reveal too much but if if you um are in tune with what david lapham has done with stray bullets and um what was the other one murder me uh, murder me deadly or anything david lapham has has done post valiant this is more of the same which means it's it's freaking good it's just that we have he hasn't afforded us 
he hasn't uncovered all of the stones yet in this story. So so stick with it. Um, if you read this first issue and it doesn't click, I would suggest to read it again, and maybe a third time, and then you'll 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 get the the needle will catch in the groove, and you'll be you'll be rocking to what what uh, Lapham is is putting down here. It's pretty damn good. Lodger number one, Black Crown, recommended. But you will have to invest some effort into it. It's not going to reveal its secrets willingly. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. Well, I'll end the evening uh, by talking about another number one, which I won't go too deep into it because you, most of you probably haven't read it yet because it comes out, I believe, Wednesday. This is Middle West by Scotty Young and Jorge Corona. And, of course, Colors by uh, Jean-Francois Bilyeu. I don't know. I think it's Boulier. I like it. I bet it is. I think it's Boulier. Okay. Um, And Nate Picos on letters again. Um, I do believe Jason touched on this previously, but... uh, Middle West is about a boy named Abel um, who lives with his father. Um, I think Dad's really loves um, giving heaping helpings of tough love, but uh, Abel has a friend, I'll call it, uh, in the form of a fox that talks to him. Um, I'm thinking the fox might be the angel or devil on his shoulder um, who uh, nudges him in directions that might get him in trouble, but at least will also let him live a little. Um, And since Abel is a kid and, uh, but he has a bike route, has a paper route um, and he's running late and, um, Things don't go well on this particular day. Catches up with a couple of friends of his. They um, peer pressure is involved, and that leads to um, kids doing dumb things. But um, I'm just, I'm. It looks stunning, is what I'm trying to get across. This this is a beautiful looking book corona's art is outstanding probably the best i've ever seen him and and i like jorge's work a lot uh, between him and um louis colors it's just i it is a stunning piece of work and it is unlike anything else scotty has written so far doesn't feel anything like bully wars doesn't feel anything like i hate fairyland it's just it's there seems to be a world that on the surface looks like the world you and I inhabit with some slight changes, but overall, um, these characters feel like you know the same kind of people you'd, you'd meet in a trailer park or um, see down at the little corner store, um, but. 
beyond that, just just below the surface, things are a slightly a bit different, and um, I cannot wait to see where it goes from here. So this week, if you didn't order it, make sure your comic shop has extras because you'll want to read Middle West number one. Yep. Well said. Oh, thanks. People. All right, everybody. Hey, you know what? We really hope you enjoyed this. And um, we'll be back Thursday, which means you'll get another well, one. Are we? Are we recording Thursday night? You'll be able to? Or should we go for Wednesday? Oh, wait. Thursday's Thanksgiving. Wednesday might be, make more sense. Yeah, exactly. that makes a whole lot of more sense because I'm not down with the whole holiday thing. Uh, so, yeah. But either way, whenever we record this, the next episode, yes. you're going to get another one this week because we love you so much. And um, we got to do it or we'll explode. Right. It's true. It's, yes. Got to let it out. Uh-huh. <laughs> so in the meantime, what, what? Say goodnight. Do you like that? It's very much so. David. Oh. Good night. <laughs> hey, David. Wow. Pretty good. I tried to get the inflection down. I flipped on it. My stupid inflection. Oh, well. Stop. We hope you liked this little themed episode. We had fun doing it. I like number Definitely. ones. Number ones are fun. Number ones can be fun, yes. They can. And they are. So come back. We'll have more of the same next time. Although uh, we'll probably do more of it. And uh, we'll be waiting for you. Lady, y'all. We'll bring hoagies. Do you call them hoagies or, or wedges what? or heroes or we- I, actually, wait, wait, uh, no wedges um, wedge a wedge yeah. no kidding yes. I've never yeah I'm not down with the whole heroes thing no or subs no hoagie oh it's wedge for you I mean I'm I'm fine with hoagies but, okay. but yeah it's a wedge for me oh huh. oh it's for a chicken parm wedge that's what I'll usually yeah you should come here and order a chicken parm wedge. They'd, they'd probably bring a shoe with a, <laughs> with, a, with a piece of chicken parm in it. What? Is this what you wanted? Foreigner? You're not right. This <laughs> is America. Seriously. Like on the other side of your wall. Yes. Bye, people. We love you. Later. Later, people. Later. <laughs>